0: Welcome to Movies Charles Scene Episode 88. My name is Carlson. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. Each week, Wilson and I share a classic movie. We've seen with Charles that he hasn't seen. This week,
1: watch the 1960 movie, Psycho. Charles, tell us about Psycho. Uh, a woman runs off with $40,000 in her purse that she's stolen from her employer and has to stay somewhere for the night. So she ends up at the Bates Motel <laughs> she goes to take a shower and gets horribly murdered. And so (laughs) her sister and her boyfriend are obviously very concerned that she's run off and disappeared. So they hire a private investigator. uh, And he kind of scopes the area and investigates all the motels and ends up at the Bates Motel. And then he gets murdered. (laughs) The sister and boyfriend don't hear back from him (laughs) and uh, end up going to the Bates Motel to investigate. And thankfully, neither of them ends up getting murdered Get and, close, yeah and they discover the corpse of Norman <clears throat> Bates's mother and uh, they catch Norman Bates who's been dressing up as his mother and performing these murders um, and it is revealed that Bates kind of went crazy and killed his mother uh, who had taken another man uh, and with the loss of his mother he started... Pretending to be her to try to um, fill in her absence, essentially. Um, yeah, and the movie kind of ends there. He's institutionalized, I guess. Hopefully, yeah, he should be. Um, so this is a big one. Uh, this yeah.
2: is this is uh, probably Hitchcock's most famous movie. Yeah, probably his most watched movie. Yep. Yeah. Um, and one of his best. Uh, it's it's well remembered for a reason. This was also kind of one of the first like spoiler-phobic films, <laughs> right, like that... Um, that has a twist? Multiple twists, right, and that the director specifically told people to not tell anyone else what was going on after they saw it. They specifically forbid uh, people from entering the movie late, right? Like there are a lot of rules you t- you that... You didn't
1: instruct the audience <laughs> how yes, to watch a movie. Exactly.
2: They were it's basically rules. the Alamo rules. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I'm curious, Charles, how much of this...
1: How much about Psycho did you know going in? You hadn't seen it before. I guess I should be glad, because I knew actually very little about the movie. All I knew was basically the iconic shower murder scene. Okay, but did you know that it happens 40 minutes into the movie? Um, I mean, I didn't really know when it happened or how it fit in with the rest of the movie. I just knew that it probably did not bode well for our main character. So I was like, is this going to happen? Yeah. Like, they can't end the movie on her just being killed, right? So (laughs) are they killing the main character off during the movie? Mm -hmm. Yes. all right yes there yes, she the goes video.
0: yeah
2: and then, and
1: then there we were she gets in the shower and
2: I'm like all right here we go okay well and, and did, did you know that the the mother Bates was
1: dead the whole time I didn't know the twist I didn't know great. that there okay. was a mother Bates <laughs> what was your reaction to it that? yeah, yeah. Um, well when they enter the room and her back is to you I kind of okay. thought oh maybe she, this is a dead body somehow but I didn't expect that they would show it so <laughs> sure graphically did. yeah it's pretty gruesome <laughs> yeah
2: yeah. yeah um, like even now, like, I made the mistake of watching this in the middle of the night, and same, like, yeah. even now, like they show that yeah. that model or whatever it is, and it's it's very unsettling. Like, yeah. it's Very creepy and scary. Yeah. Um. So it still works. Like I I was like ready for it, and I knew exactly what was going to happen. Yeah. And it was still just like yeah. Yeah. yeah it gets you. <laughs> So, that's great. I, I'm glad you knew so little going into this.
1: <laughs> me too, yeah. Okay, so
2: uh, what was, were you scared? Like, were you, what how, um, how did you, th- you
1: think about it? It was pretty intense for sure. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I was, like, scared to the point where I would be, like, losing sleep or anything, but I was definitely, like, caught up in the movie uh, during those, like, intense moments. It's
0: a tense movie. It um, really is. Yeah. What struck me was the scene where the sister's, like, walking up to the house. That was, like... <sighs> yeah. Uh, to me I was like I'd seen it before and I was still like don't go in there (laughs) there's
2: a a person in there yeah Yeah, no I I agree like that was probably the moment where you're really like something can go wrong and he he, like Hitchcock sets you up so well for that moment right like he shows you two murders he shows you that he's not afraid to kill off major characters. Mm-hmm. He shows you that murders happen at this place that she's going to, yep. <laughs> right? Like, you're very primed for this woman yep. to get to get stabbed. Um, and it, yeah, it still works to date. <laughs> I watched this movie
1: recently. Yeah. Um, still very effective. Yeah, um, and it was funny because when the investigator goes up the stairs, mm-hmm. uh, it is very obvious that they're building up to something happening because he walks up and you see the door open a little bit And you know that the mother's in there. you know that the mother's a killer. Yeah, you get that great bird's eye shot, right? Like when it's him walking
2: up the stairs, you're looking down from the ceiling, and you see the door into her room.
1: Yeah, it's just that it's so telegraphed, and yet I still got got by it, because, like, it's the sound (laughs) editing, right? They just have a very loud sound effect. And it's the sudden
0: movement, too. Yeah, exactly. What we think is the mother coming out of the room. Yeah. (laughs) Stabbing him. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it's way more terrifying that you don't actually see her face. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, it serves a purpose for the twists and all that, but, like, a killer you can't see is always much more scary, right? And that's always much more effective here.
2: Right, like,
1: your imagination gets to
2: do whatever it's it's doing. Right, right. right. And also, uh, we'll note that we have seen that the detective before in um, 12 Angry Men, he's juror number one, and he's also in... uh, all the President's Men. So that guy kind of gets around. There we a, go. He's a worker. Yeah, I remember him. Um, so yeah, I think that this movie is still great. Um, it, it still holds up really well. Um, what do you think about I, this viewing, Grossman? It
0: was great. It struck me that, um, you know, there's the most famous thing about this movie, is, I think it's the music. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. The, yeah. the screen's great. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, but the other song is also famous. The one that's, I don't I don't know how to like, there's, there's, Did you there's sing it for us. <laughs> yeah. Um It's sampled in in a rap song. I forget okay. which song. But there there's the other song in this movie is also like famous, and that struck me as when like, does it new play? information. When they're kind of driving, when it's like
1: Oh yeah. Doesn't it yeah. sound a lot like the Screechy Murder theme, but like a little softer? Yeah, I mean there's a lot of strings in it's this. It's the same it's the same kind of like uh, agitated heartbeat sort of sound.
2: Yeah, that's a good, the heightened like everything becomes very it's, heightened. It's
0: more melodic though. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just like a sound.
2: Right. But I mean, that, the the musical motif, or at least the the I don't know the instrumentation of this soundtrack is string heavy, right? Like it's a lot of violins, and cellos, and right. and violas. Uh, same thing with the the um the prelude at the at the beginning of the film. A lot of strings, right? Like that's. What, he, what he's building up to here. Yeah. Um,
0: um. Apparently it's sampled in a lot of songs. So I was <laughs> trying right. to find the one. I was like, of, well, yeah, but iconic, I'm not going to so. be able to live. Okay,
2: well, I, yeah. I believe you then. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> sure it is.
0: Um, I also forgot the sort of like second act of this film. I remembered the first and third act, right. but the second act where we're following the private detective, right. totally forgot about that. Um, so that that felt like a new new information to me, but uh, <laughs> and, and,
2: and it's again such a great twist, right? Yeah. Cause this this movie goes in in so many directions that like like it sets audiences up for a, a trope that they're very accustomed to, right? Like you follow the pretty girl throughout the entire movie, right? The when okay, mm-hmm. so that's not going to happen. The detective is going to gradually solve the crime and, crack retrace, the case. and and retrace the steps and put everything together and then present the evidence at the end that is immediately undercut, right? Like yeah. motherhood is sacred. He gets overcut. No, motherhood is not sacred, right? Like the small businessman is is a force for good in America. No, actually he's a crazy killer, right? <laughs> like there's so many things in this movie that just cut exactly the opposite direction that you would expect them to cut and it it's still like to this day is surprising, mm-hmm. right? Like every every single thing about it is just stunning and
0: and unexpected it's so banal too like yeah. it's just like this this woman she steals 40,000 she goes to this hotel and then she gets murdered and then like
2: right. well, the detective
0: gonna... goes to the hotel and he gets murdered <laughs> and it's, yeah. like, so it's like wait a minute yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's only like
2: a little pile <laughs> of bodies built. Four, yeah. there's like
0: three lo- four locations in this film yeah there's like her office the Bates Motel the car dealership and the hardware store that yeah. her sister well, and, works
2: at. And the hotel they're in at the beginning when they're having their... their oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Five locations, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And that's another place yeah. um, where this movie cuts in a direction you wouldn't expect it to, right? Because yeah. usually in horror films, characters are killed as punishment. Yeah. Right? Like, they have done a bad act. And here we see the bad act, right? Like, she steals the money. But she's only murdered after she decides that she's going to go give the money back and, like, take whatever punishment is, is given to her. Yeah. And the movie says Did she no. she decide that? I actually Yes, that. Yeah. Yes. She absolutely she, does. Yeah. She's she, like,
0: yeah, I'm going to, she says to Norman Bates, like, I'm going to, like, I'm, go back and try and make amends. Go
2: back to okay. Phoenix. And, I'm gonna, and that's why she's doing the math, right, where she's tracking how much money is left and she's do, doing an accounting of what she has because she has decided to do the right thing. And only after she decides to do the right thing <laughs> is she killed, right, <laughs> which is exactly the opposite tact of, of what horror films typically do.
0: Yeah, which is scary. It's just like a random, random act, right? Right. Yeah, she happened to stop at the wrong place, and she gets killed. Yeah, and that's just
2: like that. I think is the major theme of this movie. Like, it it is that the universe is a chaotic, random place where terrible things happen to you for no reason, right? It's it's esque in that in that sense, and it's interesting that one of the first major directors to really embrace that idea is Hitchcock, because he's such a precise. Filmmaker, right? Like, he is so orderly yeah. in the way that he makes his movies, and he is the first one to really grapple with chaos as something that is, is overwhelming and, and the most important force in, in the world. Uh, I mean,
0: here we are. It's funny, too, because, like, it's from an era where, like, you know, you, you know, if you lived in the suburbs, you probably didn't even lock your house. Like, yeah. You, you, know, you knew all your neighbors, and you, like, hung out with your neighbors, and you know, yeah, everything right. like <coughs> felt safe in. You know, in
2: these places,
1: people well, know Norman too. They yeah. talk to like the police chief, yep. and they're like, "Oh, poor Norman out there." He's in just his the eccentric, motel.
2: right? Like he's just the town weird yeah. guy, and, and
0: that's fine. And like he's not shown when he's introduced, he seems like very normal too. Just like and an,
2: and, a, an actual nice guy, right? Yeah, like, he just seems like you
0: know. Yeah. Yeah, he's like concerned for her. He brings yep. her food, and then starts to escalate when it's like. Oh, but I'm also in a taxidermy. Right. And, well, uh, <laughs> and you get
2: so many great shots during that sequence of him framed yeah. by those birds. Yeah. I love right? that shot. It's so, they're so cool, right? Like, because you have, you have him in the foreground and then the birds of prey, right? Yeah, there's like, like an owl
1: with its wings like mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Right,
2: and it's it's all, it's all these raptors, right? Like, it's all these, these birds, it, it, like, it's not songbirds. Yeah. Right, we see songbirds in the hotel room, right? Where, where Marion is staying. But we see the, birds of prey in the office, which is Norman's mm. space, yep. and I think that, that that is really critical. The other thing that we see is right before that, that conversation in the office, we have the conversation at the front desk, right, where, where you have Norman behind the desk, they're uh, Marion on the other side of the desk, and a mirror behind her, right, and then they're shot in profile. That same mirror shot is inverted when we get back into the office where Marion is eating her food like a bird, and Norman is being framed by by the owl where the mirror would have been for Marion, right so the reflection for Marion is just her. The reflection mm-hmm. for Norman Bates is an owl swooping down ready to kill something mm-hmm. it's like there are so many great so many great framing moments like that um, and and like you can, you could basically pick a scene in this movie, and
1: there's something available to to analyze that way. I also and love that it's brilliant. It was filmed from the bottom up, so you're looking up at Norman, yes. and he's got this like very harsh light against his face. Mm-hmm. Um, it just looked very ominous,
2: right? And, and again, that that is that is textbook cinematography, right? Like yeah. if you want to make someone look villainous, you shoot them low, looking up, and you, you don't you don't see that same shot with really any of the characters, yeah, uh, in, in the film. Um, and it's all very conscious decisions on Hitchcock's part, more of the, just the orderly filmmaking that we yeah. see from him. Over, and it's over a good Reagan.
1: performance from the actor. He's to, great to seem so sociable and nice at the beginning, and immediately you start seeing the cracks, and you see, uh, you start to feel uneasy in his presence, right. and you know his his eyes start looking very. There's something still about his eyes yep. that's very creepy, whereas the rest of his <clears throat> face is more emotive.
2: It, and, and you get that like the best moment from him might be the very last shot.
1: This is Anthony
2: Perkins. The, yeah. Uh, like, that certain. when he is that's an iconic shot that I've yeah. also seen yeah me too like, and, like that one where you have him just sitting in that room wrapped up in the blanket just like with this unhuman sinister look on his face and you get that split second flash of the mother's skull against his face like that is unforgettable
0: well right? if you like him in this film you can see him in Psycho 2 Psycho 3 <laughs> and Psycho 4 he appears really, in, really? He's in all of them
2: Wow, I haven't seen any of them. Yeah, Whom, uh, Hitchcock didn't make them.
0: I don't think so, now.
2: Okay, well, th- I mean, that starts a, a long tradition in horror films, then. Uh, of
0: having a really good first. And, a, then, and, and, a, and then a lot <laughs> of sequels. A lot of sequels. I have not seen the sequels. I don't also, even know how they could it. he is alive at the end of the film. Right,
2: you'd so. have to like break him out or his parole yeah. or something And then he
0: finds another hotel and murders more people more at that people. hotel.
2: Oh shit, oh, Norman's at it again. <laughs> <laughs> why, is, why do people keep stopping here? <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it also uh, was remade shot for shot in color in inexplicably. So it, it starts that. sorry Vince gets right? Bates Fawn. Yeah. As uh, Norman Bates? Right. Terrible decision. I don't know why.
1: Wait, I was wondering about that last shot, because I remember people referring to, like, I think it was like called a Kubrick shot or something, where someone is, like, looking up at the camera, and it just looks extremely sinister, right? I thought okay. I've heard it referred to as, like, a Kubrick stare. I have not. Or We're, something like that. I'm not familiar uh, with Because I think it refers to, like, in The Shining, uh, when... Uh, sure. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking Mark about. Nicholson's Shining. like doing yeah. that kind of look, but it's also done here <laughs> in that final scene.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you, wanna, do you wanna do want hear the uh, plot description of psycho two? Yes I do, please. Now declared legally sane, Uh Norman Bates is released from a mental institution after 22 years in confinement over the protests of Marion Crane's sister, Lila Loomis, who insists that he's still a killer and the court's indifference to his victims by releasing him was a gross miscarriage of justice.
2: Wait, so did they, they I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but they made this movie 22 years later? Did this come out in 1982? Uh, I'll check on that
0: in a second. (laughs) Uh, Norman returns to his motel in the old Victorian mansion where his trouble started (laughs) and history predictably repeats itself.
1: Oh, wow. So that yeah, is... Yeah, it was the,
0: made in 83. Yeah.
2: Wow. That uh, is insane. Or
0: it was released in 83. And then Psycho 3, <laughs> Bates is back again running back his, again. his quiet little motel a month after the events in Psycho 2. Uh, so he's he, not
2: captured at the end of Psycho 2.
0: He meets three new people, one being a beautiful young nun. <laughs> With whom his budding relationship is beginning to make his mother jealous. He also hires a young man in need of a job to take care of the hotel. A snooping reporter is showing interest in Norman's case. What will these friends do for Norman?
2: Yeah, well, probably get stabbed.
0: Should should I find four, since we're (laughs) on it? We're on
1: a roll here. Yeah, these all sound really bad. This is great. Psycho
0: 4, the beginning.
1: (laughs) The prequel.
2: Is it a prequel? How does he Norman kill Norman Bates returns
0: for this prequel, uh, once more having mommy trouble. This time around, he's invited to share memories of mom with a radio talk show host. <laughs> but the psycho fears that he may kill again, for his beloved is impregnated with this child, and Norman cannot let another psycho loose in the civilized world.
2: So psychopathy is hereditary now. Yeah,
0: that was released okay. in 1990.
2: I'm not going to watch any so of So they this. did a bunch in the <laughs> 80s. Uh, well, they they did do a prequel though. the The TV show is a prequel, and it's supposed to be very good. I've I haven't
0: watched it, but I've heard kind of
2: like I've, I've heard good reviews. Yeah, it's sort of re, resoundingly oh, good. I was wondering what that it. TV show was. It's, yeah, it's a prequel. It's a prequel yeah, okay. yeah. So the the mother is the Vera Farmiga plays the mother character. Yeah, and she is you know in her forties or whatever. Uh, Norah Bates is a child or you know young adult for the bulk of the film or the bulk of the series, and. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it, but, but there can't that's be any murders premise.
1: in this show except for the mom and husband being murdered, right? I mean, maybe. So do know. they just dope around at this hotel and creepy mansion? I haven't seen it. I have no idea. It's supposed to be really good. Yeah, I've heard it's good. Yeah, okay. but I thought it was some like weird thing where they're like secret murderers at this hotel or something. and I thought maybe that's what Psychos about, but it's probably
0: not. what the show is. That, yeah. yeah, that like, would be my guess. That would yeah. be my guess
1: as well. But again,
2: haven't seen it, so yeah, I, I can't say. Um, but yeah, the you can see the, you know, cultural impact yeah. of this movie, right? Like, just that that shower scene is everywhere. It's been, again, a parody on The Simpsons and other things. Um, same thing with the soundtrack. Same thing with all the different movies and shows that this has uh, subsequently inspired. Um, so, it, it's everywhere.
0: Yeah, I think the shower scenes are good because, like, you're just so vulnerable in in the shower. Yes. And, it, like, it, yeah. it takes advantage of that from so many different ways. Like, it's... You know it's very confined space. that bathroom is like really tiny because it's just like a little crappy motel bathroom mm-hmm. um, and yeah there's just nowhere to go right there's no other exit and yeah like, I mean yeah.
2: It, it, it's probably one of the most analyzed scenes in cinematic history yeah period um, Hitchcock himself got in on the game um, where he talked about how there you never see her being stabbed like mm-hmm. he intentionally yeah. he intentionally didn't. Depict the knife entering flesh at any point. Uh-huh. Um, that I found a bit strange. Yeah, I, I, I wonder how much of that was a technological consideration. Yeah, how much of that was about getting past sensors, Although he's well in his career at this point. It's
0: a pretty racy movie too. Yeah, well, like, I mean, especially was, for 1960. Like f- you see her shirtless and like.
2: Yeah, the first movie to show a toilet on screen. Huh. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> true,
1: true fact. <laughs> yes. It took till 1960. Yes. Yeah. So it is. It well, there just wasn't
0: a, a way to shoot them before. They needed to invent the camera technology to <laughs> exactly. capture it's them properly. Oh it. my but
2: God! Yeah. Uh, so it's like
0: when they first saw hummingbirds' wings. You know. <laughs> <Right>. It's,
2: it's <laughs> exactly like that. Oh <laughs> <laughs> God! Um, so yeah, like that. That scene has had many, um, many analyses. There's, there's a lot the of so.
0: like technically, almost impossible things that are like in that scene, like when they show her eye for so long and stay on it and like i'm sure it's just her right yep. like keeping her eye open like being able to do that would be like you'd have to take like muscle relaxers to, to do that and not blink like yeah yeah.
1: Well, yeah could you just like use the same frame of footage you, you could but it's she's not. not moving
0: you're not it's not though because like as they zoom out oh. you see the water like yeah, no, I see. What move you mean. on her body, and they, you know, they move around the room. Yeah, what, I, see what you I mean, mean, yeah, yeah, like, like, and that. I mean, I mean maybe mean, they could, because like you could, you could take one still and reproduce it throughout that pin strip. It doesn't look like that's what they did. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's
2: a way to train your eyes to just not have to blink for an extended period. Like it's, yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Um, so maybe...
0: It's a long... It's like over a minute, though. Yeah, I bet
2: and, I can... I bet I can go a minute. Okay. Yeah. Good K- K- for you. Okay. <laughs> uh. Um. Uh, nobody talks about the scene after that one, though. Because the scene after that one is great. Where you have Norman... Showing like up, doing the cleanup, doing the cleanup, right? And yeah. fifth, I'm like,
1: this guy's really good at cleaning up murder. <laughs> yeah, mm, mm. something is up here, even though he seems innocent and shocked by it at first. Right? He's like, well, I'm the business,
2: um, and I, that's another moment where I think we see an unexpected. We see the movie zig where it would normally zag for the audience, right? Because normally, a murder is motivated by some, you know, pecuniary gain, right? Like that is frequently what is going on here, right, like she has $40,000 in her car, she is killed, so that somebody else can take that money and do with it what they will. Uh, that doesn't happen here, right? Yeah, he, <laughs> ex- he never he, knows it's there. He, he accidentally, accidentally knows it. throws it out. Right, yeah. and so there's no way that it was motivated by getting that money. He didn't overhear her talking about it, he didn't spot her notebook, he didn't see that there was money floating around in her purse or whatever. Like, like, that very obvious motivation, a motivation that we have already established in this movie, right, because that is her motivation, ignored, right? Yeah. Like, completely set aside, and what is actually motivating them is just desire to kill, right? Like, and, and, and that's it.
1: And that's just way more scary. Yes. It's yes, way it less is. predictable. Yeah,
2: because if they don't care, I don't have, you know, the 1960s equivalent of $40,000 lying around. Yeah. Uh, it's
0: three forty five.
2: It's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. That, like, that, is a, that is an amount of money somebody would kill you for. In <laughs> cash, just, yeah. Yeah, there are existing things. Yeah,
0: it's much more mobile in 1962 because it's, it's too, cause like liquid. a little envelope. Very <laughs> liquid. Yeah. <laughs> it it's exactly. in your purse. Um, so another moment where they kind of undercut your expectations is he pushes the car into the swamp and it sinks and then stops, and then stops. that was almost and like a comedy
1: <laughs> movie and <laughs> then he just so kind of waits a few more seconds and it keeps, and it keeps, going. keeps going and you yeah. see him like, smile a bit like oh thank oh, god got it okay. yeah they
0: just like there's so many like redirections on that it's, it's really good
2: right I, I love it right. and, and,
0: and like what would he do if it like it and that, right.
2: that's why it's so great, like yeah. what is the fix there? You can't just like go to hop on top of it and try to shove it down into the swamp. You get swamp. a stick and you poke at it. And, yeah. it. <laughs> and then it goes down, yeah. right? like that, that would be it. Like that yeah. would have to be his fix. And it, like that, why it's such a high tension moment. Um, and you still aren't clear on who's the killer at that point, yeah. right? Like you suspect it might be Norman, but maybe it's not. Yeah. And so you kind of care about whether or not he can hide this murder that he may or may not have committed. Uh, such a such a great moment, in um, you know, a movie full of them
0: another like super small moment that i noticed this time around mm. is when he 's talking with the detective and he 's like, well why don 't you come with me to like look at the rooms and yeah. he like he reaches for the room for the first key, <coughs> and then he yeah. just like goes to the next one and I was mm-hmm. like oh it's such like a good <laughs> <Yeah>. detail <laughs> like to little, capture little thing yeah,
2: yeah it, yeah, and this movie is is full of those little details because yeah. that's, yeah. that's exactly what um Hitchcock is known for. Uh, so the, the scene that this movie gets the most knocks for is at the very end where they have the psychologist show up. And, and like, the one guy
0: is like, is explain, it because he was a transvestite? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, and explain
0: everything. Yeah. Um, Pauline, like, on their, to their credit, he says no, it wasn't. Yes, it was not, yeah. that's
2: true. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Pauline Kael called it the worst scene that Hitchcock ever made. Um, and it is frequently lambasted. It's just like a long string of exposition. It's um,
0: so unnecessary
2: yeah okay continue why do you, why do you well say the that?
0: explanation because like the detective at the or the psychologist is like well here's why like all right, the thing. right but like we've already seen why essentially right like
2: I, it's a very yeah. long explanation it's so yeah. long right and he like goes over like beat for beat every single yeah. thing in like pretty excruciating detail
0: it, I, it brings it back when they when the one cop like grabs the blanket and like goes back. But that's like a whole different scene. And that scene works really well.
2: I I, want to rehabilitate that scene a little bit. Okay. Because I Hmm. think that Hitchcock knows what he's doing. Right, I I think that he is a very experienced filmmaker at this point. I think he knows exactly how to play the audience exactly however he wants to because he's been doing it the entire movie up until this point. He knows that that scene's unsatisfying. Right. He knows that the explanation that this guy is offering is stuff, A, we've already figured out at this point, and B, doesn't really explain anything, right? And it certainly doesn't answer any questions that we, that we still have about this guy. Like, how, do you, how does a person get to this point? How do you actually prevent this thing from happening? Mm. Like, how do you protect yourself from a world that is filled with this kind of you know, murderous chaos, right? So when he has, so when he has an authority figure enter the room and say, here's <laughs> the best that we have to offer. Here's exactly the, what, the, what the top of the line guy that, under, that has had a chance to interview and talk to this dude has concluded, and that's all we get. The effect on the audience is, there's nothing to protect us, right? Mm-hmm. That, that if this is what the authorities have to offer, they're utterly useless. <laughs> and he reminds us of that with that scene. Right, with that terrifying shot of Norman at the end, with the, flat, the f- skull flash over his face of his mother, with the, the look in the swamp, right, where you are destined if you encounter someone like this. Right? I think that's what Hitchcock is going for there. I think he's trying to say that, yes, the, these answers are boring and unsatisfying and ultimately useless, mm-hmm. and that this is what you actually have to contend with is this guy in the next room. And so I, I don't read that as a misstep on Hitchcock's part. I think that, that that is him knowing exactly how the audience is going to react and using that reaction to deepen the terror and the dread that this, this movie evokes.
1: Um, so I, I think that, that Pauline Cale might have got it a little wrong here.
0: It's I possible. I mean, it struck me. I, go I don't feel like
1: I got that reaction <coughs> from his explanation, though. It felt like more like closing the case and then they walk away from it. And that, that's my feeling from that, right? But it's not rather than satisfying. That, right? Rather than that feeling of helplessness, I just felt like, oh, okay, that's it. We're done here. Right, but, and then we walk away. And it just felt really lazy. It felt like a cop-out. It felt really long and like it kind of distracted yeah. from the movie, right? You know, I, I, yeah, I think that's and exactly the point. It's, I don't know. It, I, like, I could appreciate if it's like making fun of that trope since it feels like a very like 1950s sort of thing to have a long explanation at mm-hmm. the end. Um, but yeah, I don't think I got that feeling yeah, from I, it. I don't. I don't even read it as a mockery
2: necessarily, or making mm-hmm. fun of it. I, I, I read it as a genuine statement about how just useless it is to be to to do this kind of analysis, right? Like it's like someone being able to, to tell you exactly what the problem is and offer no solution at all mm-hmm. to address it or prevent it from happening again, right? And to, so if if you read it as something like an unsatisfying, conclusion. okay, we're done with this. I think that's the intended effect, right? Like I think that that's how you're supposed to read it. And that upon consideration, right, what you end up with is these are the people that can't help us, and they're the people that are supposed to help us, right?
0: I I read it when I was watching it, just that like, like I know that Hitchcock is like, Just like kind of like a at the time he's like a pop <clears throat> filmmaker, right? He's just like a known filmmaker. He's yeah, making films. He just for finished, like North by Northwest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so to me it read as like, you know, hey audience, like here's what happened. If you need it, like <laughs> that's, like it was it was the kind of similar to the explanation at the end of. Uh, Vertigo, right? Where they get the letter, and the letter like explains everything. Right? Yeah, that was a
2: studio intervention thing, though. But right? that's what
0: this kind of felt like to me. I, I think it yeah. reads
2: differently because of that last shot. Yeah. Right, and because we've seen a movie that has been so unconventional up until this point, right? Like to, to me, that it, it evoked a different feeling, right? And I think that it is necessary for that last shot to be as effective as it is.
0: It it also felt like since it's in like the crime genre, Mm -hmm. like even though it's a horror film, like we still needed like an explanation of the crime, right? Right, Which is sort of like true to the genre. That like no matter what, you're gonna get like an explanation of like what occurred, (laughs) right?
2: And and I think that actually brings us to another interesting question about this movie. I think there are a lot of people that would not call this a horror film. I think there are people that think this is too good for horror, right? That would say that this is a thriller, this is a psychological thriller, something like that.
1: I don't know, maybe it's not scary enough.
2: Well, those people are wrong. It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's still enough. like, moments of this movie are I think. I mean, I, I disagree so. with those people, like that yeah. I think it is correct to ha- call us a horror movie. Categorizing horror as some, something lesser, something that you, know, you rise above, I think is incorrect. But I think that this movie is, like The Shining, a target of that kind of, of genre labeling and genre prejudice. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I just I think those people are wrong. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> right. I do mean, too. This, it's a scary movie. There's like pretty shockingly violent things that happen in the movie. I mean, uh, horror is amorphous in that way, but mm-hmm. I it, it doesn't even cross my mind that this is like not a horror film.
2: No, I, yeah, I think I think it, it yeah. clearly is. But I think there are also a category of film viewers that would say, oh no, this is above horror.
0: <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I'm not sure I understand like the utility of the that kind of argument though, right. other than to like kind of dump on horror as that, a genre. You
2: just want to sound so smarter, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a lot about ego, and it's a lot about yeah. like you as the viewer are better than horror movies. So if you like this movie, it can't be a horror movie, right? Yeah, like, I think that that is a lot of what's going on. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean that. Okay. I mean, I feel like I get that, type, that type of person. The but genre. Genre.
2: Right, I, I think I I think they're wrong. Yeah. but I also think they exist, <laughs> and yeah. I think that 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 it's worth pointing out. Yeah, um, why they're wrong and like what the actual psychology of the it, play especially is.
0: Especially now, when like of like the few good films that are being made every year, a pretty good percentage of them are horror films now. Like yeah, yeah. There's been a, a, a
2: genre resurgence, uh, and horror's kind of led the way. Yeah. Um, so we've, we we so we've talked about last year what. The, the like it that we got last year, but now we have hereditary as well. Um, and the witch before that. And the witch before it follows that. before that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's and what's the John Krasinski one? Quiet Place? Quiet Place.
0: Quiet Place. Quiet Place is great.
2: Yeah, that was a good movie too. I still yeah. need to see that one. Yeah, it's oh, good. It's so good. I want to. Yeah. Yeah, you'd like it. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> but it was good. Um, so yeah, like the. That so,
0: that's another film that like really telegraphs its like moment of horror. Yes. Where it's like, don't you see this really sharp thing? <laughs> and
2: it's gonna have a yeah, it's gonna
0: have it. You're like, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> like obviously it happens, but like the the dread of like knowing that it's yeah. gonna get somebody. Yeah, yeah,
2: and, and I think that's what you have started to see in these more modern uh, horror movies is a move away from the jump scare, right? Like that that it's not about suddenly here's something dangerous. It's here's something dangerous and it's going to it's it's going to show up and you're going to be aware of it the entire time the it's constant awareness man. yeah
0: there there's still some good like sure, they, stuff that's happening but they yeah, exist yeah. but like that's not what's it follows has a couple of good ones right, right? but that's yeah. not why the movie's scary no no but those right. moments are very scary right yeah
2: for that long yeah right but what's scary about it follows is like the yeah. dread, the dread of death, constantly.
1: Well, stuck that's in the thing him. about jump scares, right? What I find scary about jump scares is the threat of them, right? Because a lot of times <laughs> jump scares sure. are built up to. You can see that they're coming, yeah. but you don't know exactly when they're going to hit. So you're you're tensed up for the entire time. Yeah,
2: and it and, and follows does that a lot, actually. Like, there's a lot of false jump scares in that movie. Yeah. Um. So that's a fair point.
0: But then yeah. when they happen, they really happen, and it's yeah.
2: like, <laughs> yeah, uh, but I,
0: the invitation to that too. That's another great that indie horror movie. film. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: We should do all these. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think what a lot of these filmmakers are doing is learning, finally learning from Hitchcock, right? Because he's the one that talked about how suspense is seeing the guy behind the corner with the knife as the hero approaches, right? Not having the guy behind the knife behind the corner suddenly jump out with the knife.
0: Well, I think part of the genre discussion that like to, that the type of people who are saying that this is not a horror film, right. I can kind of see where they're coming from because, like in the '80s, you do get Psycho two, three, and four, right? right. And you get, um, you know, just just these sort of endless sequels of like the same kind of like Socky jump, jump scared, yeah, mm-hmm. soggy stuff. And I think it took a while to get away from that kind of yeah. filmmaking, but. There there was a re like there was a market for it, right? Like you spend like ten million dollars, you make, you know, Halloween nineteen and then <laughs>
1: you're and,
0: good. And then you make twenty million and then that you Jeez. know, that funds Halloween aren't, twenty. Aren't they yeah.
1: remaking that? Halloween, yes. Yeah. There's another one. There's We're a, not remaking, I guess. There's
0: a sequel to the Rob Zombie one that came out like five years ago or so. Which people apparently liked. Yeah. I, I don't see the need to retread this movie, but yeah, again. Once again. But yeah. I
2: mean, yeah. I, I, I just in general prefer original properties, right? Like we've seen, not just in horror, but like... Just Maybe
1: it's movies like this yeah. that lead to people's attitudes about horror. I guess you just said that. Yeah. Yeah,
2: Yeah. but the, you're you're correct, right? Is that this one set the tone for a lot of the genre, right? This yeah. and Peeping Tom. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, Peeping Tom is so good. <laughs> um, yeah. Have you seen it?
2: No, actually, but I'm just aware of it. You've it's, mentioned it. It's really good. Okay, I believe you.
0: It feels... Now when you rewatch it, it feels corny, but then you're like, oh, all these other films were like doing this, mm. and <laughs> yeah.
2: And then it becomes novel. Yeah. I, I yeah. think that's what's one of the more remarkable things about this movie is yeah. that you, know, you watch it now and it doesn't feel corny, right? Like there are very few moments in this yeah. movie where you're like, oh, this is definitely a 1960s product. There are some, but there aren't many well, and the, they're easy to overlook. I mean, it
0: feels like mm-hmm. it is a Hitchcock film because it's like there's two like gorgeous blonde women. One of them gets horrifically <laughs> murdered, <laughs> and the other one is, like, is th- know, that's like markers. the part that like doesn't hold up well. And I think <clears throat> right. one, one of the things that we're seeing in contemporary horror films is like engaging with that. gender. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. You see that, and it follows. Yeah, I mean, g- like gender
0: and she... youth and sexuality are like all mm-hmm. like interesting yeah. topics for like contemporary horror. So. Right,
2: it, well, uh, and. Well, speaking of the politics of this movie, the most problematic aspect is certainly that the villain works out to be a cross-dresser and that cross-dressing is specifically tied to the crime and to his psychopathy. And that it's that, that blurring gender lines is what makes you dangerous, right? And that, that crossing the border between male and female is the thing that is driving you towards a murder, which is
0: very of its time. Like, yes. and we saw this with Strangers on a Train, where the like the main bad guys like coded as gay. Yes. Just, like, mm-hmm. it, This is just a part of that like same problematic. Well, that all the movies of the time are going back to. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. and 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 this one too, right? So I, yeah. I think we and are Hitchcock does. It, I mean, he's, he has bad politics. Yeah, Hitchcock <laughs> yeah. has bad politics. He was. He was a misogynist, and he was, and that really drives a lot of his depiction of women, purely yeah. just like his, his misogyny. Yeah. Um, and and you see it here in his treatment of the marrying character, as well as just the, the notion that as soon as you cross a, a prescribed gender barrier, that is where danger lies, right? That that is where you become insane, right? Like that is that is something that a crazy and person murderous, c- Your yes.
0: Criminality is like connected right. to mm-hmm. it, yeah. Right,
2: and and I think that that is that is very present in this movie Um, and we're correct to critique it yeah Um, so this is partially based on a true story
0: really I didn't know that wait what (laughs)
2: yes (laughs) (laughs) so this draws from Ed Gein Uh, so Ed Gein is one of the more famous uh, serial killers in general uh, one of a long line of Wisconsin yeah. <laughs> serial killers. Um, so he lived-
0: Simple about the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Cause, yeah. so
2: uh, Wisconsin has Ed Gein, uh, Jeffrey uh, Dahmer, and uh, John Wayne Gacy is from Chicago, but he did a lot of his killing in Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, so there's several. Nothing else to do. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and that that's kind of what happened. So uh, Ed Gein was the local eccentric in his small town. He lived out on a farm somewhere. His parents were dead. Everybody basically just ignored him, and he seemed like the kind of guy that kept to himself until one day the cops showed up to ask him about something else, and there was a body hanging from a hook in his in his shed, and Whoops. it turns out yep, and it turns out that like most of his furniture was made out of human skin, Jesus and Christ. like he had a bunch of clothing that's like oh that's a woman's chest that is a vest, um, and that is what inspired um, the, the the Norman Bates character, um, so. <laughs> <laughs> and the scary thing about that is of course the solving the crime was pure accident, right? Like they just happened upon it and it was there, there were there were no signs. Like right? nobody yeah. had any idea. And that is exactly what's going on that's, here. That's that's
0: right? like the truest part of like crime though. Like if you yeah. if you watch like true crime shows, it'll be just like, "Oh yeah, and then we like walked over here and yeah, we saw all these bodies. And it's, it's like, like right. yeah. And it's like, oh. <laughs> that guy did <does> yeah. it. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, wow, detective work is really hard. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. It's like, or someone just, like, called us and, like, told us what a, someone murdered somebody. Yeah, yeah, so much of this stuff just, yeah. <laughs>
2: just turns on incidental bullshit. The first 48,
0: if you ever watched that, where they yeah. just, like, they just, like, run across somebody who's like, oh, yeah, that guy did it. And then they, like, go talk to that guy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, we cracked the case. <laughs> like, <open>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. And that's what happened here, is that Ed Gein... Just, like, they were asking him completely accidentally. And he'd been, he'd been running this scam for years and years and years, and nobody had any clue. There were no, it?
1: like, reports of missing people or anything like that?
2: Nothing that would connect back to, to Gein, right? Same thing with Dahmer. Um, so the, the famous story with Dahmer is that, you know, he would bring his gay lovers back to his apartment, he would kill them in gruesome ways, eat them, preserve them, whatever. One of them escaped, right? So one of them is running through the streets of Milwaukee, has the good fortune to run into a police officer. He's naked. He's out of his fucking gourd, like he's been drugged and beaten and and assaulted by, by Jeffrey Dahmer for the past several days or a week or whatever it was. Tries to get this all out to the cop, right? The Dahmer catches up with him. Dahmer is a sociopath, so he is very charming. He explains to the cop, "Oh no, this is my gay lover. He he got a little drunk. He's a, he he had a call, He had some a few hits of pot. He's a little bit out of his head." Let me take them home and take care of them. You, you can go about your business. Don't worry about it. And the cop says, "Yeah, okay, that's fine."
1: Jesus Christ. And yeah,
2: <laughs> Dahmer takes them back home. Yep. And kills him. Yep. Right that. And they don't. They don't find Dahmer again for years.
1: Nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Like that's that's the kind of stuff that inspired this movie, right? Just the pure, chaotic, random violence of the world that you cannot control, and that has. Com- absolute control over you. you
0: this is all the it. stuff though that's like ruined, like your childhood now, right? Because like right. now you like can't have apples at Halloween because some psychopath. Right,
2: that never happened. Which never happened. Yeah, there's right. not a single report of that ever happening.
0: Um, hmm. Yeah, or uh, w- there's like an ice cream truck thing too. Probably. Kids. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, just like, just, kids just, like, can't play outside now because, like, too, the world is, like, so terrifying. You're going to get
2: snatched up by by, by Norman next Dahmer. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and, uh, if that has any connection to preventing crime, who the hell knows. But,
1: um, yeah, that's <laughs>
2: certainly what, it's, what this movie's evoking. Mm-hmm. It's certainly,
1: certainly what it's growing on. Something else I appreciate about this movie was that buildup of tension at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, she decides oh, to run yeah. off with the money, and she's driving away, and, and she, gets, is, like, she gets her. stopped yeah. by a cop and has to have a long interaction with the police officer who doesn't want to leave, and you're wondering if she's going to get caught or if he knows about the case. Right. He's trying to get the license, and she has to, like, replace her car. <laughs> it was it was, it was super intense that whole time. Yeah, she's a terrible
2: criminal. <laughs> she's really, really bad. Like, she has yeah. no idea how to talk to the cop. Yeah, she, like, yeah. tries to change out her car, like, while of, the of the shape, cop. right? Like, really bad, really bad <laughs> criminal. Yeah. Um, I loved the um, the used car garage guy. That's just kind of like amused by the whole situation the entire time. It's like, oh, you wanna you wanna buy the car without negotiating? You don't want to take a few days to think about you know, it? You don't want, want to drive it he's a
1: customer. Before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's
0: like <laughs> some sleazeball car salesman. He yeah, confused he's like, that he doesn't have to be a sleazeball. <laughs> like, <laughs> like,
2: great. Yeah, yeah. I'll take your money. Let's, <laughs> let's do it doesn't talk him down at all.
0: Yeah, I wonder how much 700 is in 1960 dollars. Well, let's see. you can get it in a second.
2: Okay, I mean it's you know probably a few thousand, right? Yeah. At least. Uh,
0: yeah, I'm sure it's a lot.
2: Yeah. So yeah, I, I like that character a lot. That Hitchcock and. Because
0: like to today's, year, 700 bucks is like oh like whatever. Right. It's apparently six grand. Right, okay.
2: so that's that's not exactly walking around money. Like yeah, that's
0: just having like six grand in cash. Available. Yeah, yeah.
2: right. That'd be peculiar. Ooh, yeah, yeah, and it's a good exa- Like Hitchcock can characterize these people so quickly, right? Like we have a, a mm-hmm. like a very short scene, and that character is very memorable. So same thing with a guy who actually has the forty thousand dollars, right? Like we know that character after one conversation because right, like he like we,
1: immediately starts trying to flirt with her. He's yeah, such he's, a creep and yeah, yeah. He's this I he's love real estate developer. I really love the him. moment where the her coworker who was also in Rear Window there. Yeah. Uh, goes up and she's like oh he was clearly flirting with you it must have been my wedding ring that so she wasn't flirting <laughs> yeah, with <me>. <laughs> that was a good line that,
2: that is what, right and that's just it. like so we know that character yeah you know just like that and Hitch- he finds these little moments hitchcock
0: right? is like he does have like good comedy chops like he, yeah. he has timing he has really good timing with things like there are like little jokes here and there yeah. they're they were funny
2: guy. right and you see that in in yeah. north by northwest yeah um but in many other movies as well right like like the the little in in vertigo when they're talking when um Jimmy Stewart and his and what's her name the blonde girl that's that he kind of lives with, right? Mm. Like, they have extended, like, just really comedy scenes. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, Hitchcock he knows how to do that. Yeah. And he, knows and, and he
0: gets good actors that have comedic chops. Like, the woman in that scene, she's great. She, right. like, she knows the timing. Or the, the landlord in Rear Window, uh, yeah. her, or the, he, she's, like, a nurse, right? Right, yes. Yeah, she's funny. hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Stewart has, like... He's a funny guy. He's funny, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: exactly, oh, right. Sure. So. exactly right. sure. Um, exactly right. So he's
2: talented. Turns out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> One <laughs> thing I'm wondering is, so Psycho was made after Vertigo, I believe like two years later, right? Mm-hmm. Was Vertigo made in color originally or did they colorize it later? No, uh,
0: It was shot in Technicolor,
1: yeah. Okay, so yeah. then he must have made a conscious choice to make Psycho in black and white, right? Like, is there a particular reason for that? I mean, what, how did you feel about the black and white? I think blood is a lot more scary when it's red. Okay, maybe. I mean, that's what the, I think the that
0: did. The... There's like a famous story about that, right? Like, there was issues with Getting it to like look correctly
1: when oh, it's yeah, like going right. down the drain. I forgot
2: about this, but that's and exactly right. Like I do
1: remember cr- hearing that he reshot that like a long, times. Large number yeah. of times. Yes. Yeah.
2: But yeah, that might be it's so just
0: miles and miles and miles of film for just that one Water thing. going down the drain. Yeah.
1: I'm
2: literally <laughs> money throwing money down, down, down the drain. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But no, you're exactly right. Like they.
0: They, they had to use like molasses too. or something because the, all the other liquids that they were using weren't dark enough to like show up on right. on in black and white and in water. Versus if it were red you'd see the, like the red tin, yeah, but it'd be translucent um,
2: yeah I, I, I wonder if that's part of his motivation for uh, for the black and white, but yeah I, I recall
1: that now too that you mentioned it
0: yeah it just it, it does feel like so much more desolate too without
1: that's true um, one annoying thing color. about black and white is that I find sometimes it's hard to tell if it's day or night because the night scenes have to be lit a certain way that they look very similar to today's scenes unless it's very obviously a sunny sky mm mm-hmm. Um, well, so they do were, a lot
0: of like day for night shooting where they're using yeah. like camera filters to shoot at night. Um, yeah, I don't know if they did that here, but yeah. that is a challenge with black. Yeah, and Yeah, so there black. were parts where I wasn't You need to get sure. a, a colored space, and all you have is, you know, a single band. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: No, I, I, yeah. I think the the black and white is effective here. Like, I think, yeah, it just makes it feel more desolate, more. Uh, I don't know. Just, it's darker. Right? Yeah. it's yeah. a dark movie.
0: Shooting in so. color is super expensive, too, like at mm-hmm. the time. If you're going to shoot yeah. in t- Technicolor, like Vertigo was shot in, that's crazy expensive. Because yeah. techni- that's a, um, a licensed process mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. done by the Technicolor Corporation. Mm-hmm. So it's really expensive.
1: And he had a very specific reason to use color in Vertigo, at least. So maybe that's, that's why he true. shelled out yeah. for it then. And,
2: and Vertigo lost a bunch of money. <laughs>
1: right. yeah. So
2: if you're following that up oh, with, well, there you here, go. give me some more money. Or this thing that the studios might not be super stoked about that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it, there, I don't know the answer, but I think there are reasonable theories uh, out there. Yeah. Um, any uh, any closing thoughts on n Psycho?
0: All time great. Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Do, do you like this one? How's this uh, land in your your? Uh, it's the, it's so hierarchy.
0: unsettling that I don't love watching it in the same <laughs> way that like. Vertigo is great. North by yeah. Northwest is great. Rio Rondo is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but Jimmy Stewart's such a great main character in those films. So
2: yeah, that, yeah. that's yeah. Like this one doesn't have as many names, right? Like a lot of times Hitchcock would work with big name actors like Cary Grant and mm-hmm. Jimmy Stewart and Kim Novak. Um, this one less so, right? Like these guys, like they're they're they do a good job, but it's not like a star like you see in some of his other movies. Um, so that's a, an interesting choice for him yeah because mm-hmm. he would have had the clout to pull in someone big if he wanted to certainly
0: yeah I do like the two goofy like teen characters the sister and her like oh. boyfriend
2: yeah, yeah. that's yeah. another w- spot where this movie cuts in the opposite direction you expect those two to fall in love right like you expect a romance there
0: and, and those there are, a, are the type of people that get yeah. murdered and
1: right yeah kind of bumbling yeah, yeah they, the dude gets beat up like su- suspiciously quickly. He just gets knocked <laughs> out in an instant. Knocks him on the head. Yeah, like, yeah. good thing you managed to get up from that. Well, and, he, and,
2: and Hitchcock sets you up earlier by having yet another profile shot, and you see that guy just, like, being twice the size of, like, at Norman Bates, and he loses the fight anyway. He just gets knocked he out. He just yeah. gets knocked on the head. <laughs> so, yeah, he's every, every opportunity he has to do something that you, you wouldn't expect, he doesn't. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's just an all-time great. Um, not Yeah, not a Hitchcock film I would return to casually,
1: <laughs> I think,
2: because it is harrowing. It's the right time of year for it. But it's the right time of year for it. Exactly right. Yep. Um, what do you think, Charles? So yeah, I was up.
1: surprised by it. Um, okay, good. I quite quite enjoyed it. Good. Uh, I still don't think I like the psychiatrist ending, but the rest of it... It's so the worst part of
0: the film, so... Okay, well, yeah, you're,
2: you're, you're <laughs> in agreement with Pauline Kale then, so that's pretty good company. <laughs> sure. Um... We'll be back in a moment with, uh, with Things We've Seen. See you then.
0: All right, and we're back with Things We've Seen. This is where we uh, sometimes talk about like more contemporary things that we've either seen on TV or in theaters. Charles, what did you uh, see this week?
1: So I didn't see anything new, but I got to see something a new way. So I went and saw 2001 A Space Odyssey uh, with the New York Philharmonic playing all the music. And Ooh. I mean, it's an incredible experience. I did this last year for Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back and I was very excited to come back and do it again. I was so excited that I actually bought a subscription to uh, NY Phil Tickets because that was the only way to get access to buy tickets for this show. <laughs> Wait,
2: so what else do you get from that?
1: Uh, I got four pairs of tickets to other like, classical music events throughout the next year, basically. Well, that's just nice. Sometimes they just
0: give you, like, a discount on tickets. They don't yeah, even, well, like, give you... They a... were
1: half price. Okay. Um, sure. But I also got to buy tickets to this thing. And nice. I was very excited for it. But it was amazing. Um, like, I mean, you get to hear them play also Sprock Zarathustra, right there on the stage. Uh, and it's got such a power to it when it's <clears throat> being played live. It's incredible. Uh, I mainly wanted to hear the Blue Danube Waltz because I love that piece so much. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's fantastic to hear yeah. in person. Um, but another thing that really enhanced the experience was, and I didn't expect this because when I sat down I see the orchestra on stage and, you know, there's no choir there, so I'm like, all right, so we're not going to get that, I guess. But then, before the monolith first shows up, you see the conductor stand up and he kind of motions to the first balcony on the left and right side of the stage, and then... <coughs> The choir stands up, and they were there in the balcony <laughs> the whole time, and they turn on the little lights so they could see their notes, and they start singing the creepy choir, a uh, creepy chorus that plays whenever the monolith shows up. And it's, it's amazing to hear them in person, and you can really hear the detail uh, in the chorus. Um, so like something I didn't notice was that all the deeper voices, and they had all the deeper voices on the right side, uh, they kick in first, and then all the really high voices, which are on the left side of the stage for us, kick in after. And so since they were on opposite side of the stage, I could really notice um, this effect. And they always had them kick in. And they had the lows and the highs like going full blast at the same time. So they were extremely <coughs> dissonant. Um, and it, it, I mean, it's just incredible to hear this all in person. So if you ever get the chance to see them do any movie uh, they were doing There Will Be Blood earlier in the week, um, I highly recommend that you try to do it because it's just it's incredible.
2: Yeah they they do these at BAM sometimes too I think. Yeah. Where we'll have live orchestras. Yeah. Um God, that must be weird for a choir to sing that song. Yeah. Yeah, right? I'm like, curious what was written it's on no their melody, notes. Right? Like what are you what are you doing? Yeah. Is the
1: notes just like e e e e e I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've it it, it, it
2: it seems like something that's not even written, right? Or like can't right. be can't be into
1: normal notation. Right. And I'm impressed that they could do it. There's a point later in the movie where they do the creepy chorus, but there's like really loud like computer warning sounds at the yeah. same time and they have to sing. Oh, no, no. It's uh, when they're on the moon and the loud like thing The single beat. Yeah. And they have to sing over that and keep their pitch right and all that. And I'm always impressed by that.
2: Yeah.
1: so Cool. Yeah. So that's
2: what, like your fourth or fifth viewing of 2000. That's my.
1: That's the fourth time I've seen it, including the first time when I did it for the podcast. I within just can't like, get enough of this. Within movie. like two years. Damn, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. All <laughs> right, Crossman. What did you see? Something good?
0: Yeah, I recently started watching a show called The Terror. I've been meaning to see this. It looks um, really good. Mini on AMC, and it's movie like. It stars Kieran Hines, so it's got movie quality it's, actors. So you know it's good. There's a number of other really great actors in it. Um, it's a Loosely true story um, about a doomed uh, voyage that was looking for the Northwest Passage. So there are two ships um, that set out that was an English expedition. Um, they're very experienced explorers and um, the ships that were sent were the most technologically advanced vehicles of their of their time. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, the show is very like recreates that very accurately. so. Um, what I've read is the costuming and the boats, the design of the boats is like very accurate to reality. Um, so what happens in the first episode is they, uh, they're somewhere north of Greenland and Canada and they get frozen in. And... Uh, That's really far north. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> <Indeed>. <laughs> and the show kind of goes from there. Um, we do know that nobody survives, so a lot of what happens in the show is fictionalized, but there, um, there was an expedition that went to try and right. rec- recover these people, and they did find some details of what they think uh, occurred. Um, it's a very gruesome show, um, and it's very uh, tense. One of the things that they underline is like they're in such a hostile environment that like literally anything is able to kill you like any (laughs) any object any moment (laughs) uh, and they do things that are unexpected and like very scary and um, there are some sort of there's some like implied fantastical elements in the show but it's unclear if they're actually fantasy or supernatural or if it's an illness of the characters, mm-hmm. or if it's just like yeah, a hallucination, or something that they're actually like very afraid of, um, and then they start getting hunted by a polar bear, and <laughs> do it. that's when things get really <laughs> gruesome. Oh shit! So it's
2: just uh, like Lost.
0: Uh, yeah, just like Lost. Um, one of the. Most terrifying moments of like the first episode, which, so it's like not a spoiler. Is um, one of the ships gets a block of ice stuck in its uh, in its rudder, mm-hmm. and they have a very crude, um, primitive scuba set, and some guy has to get in and <laughs> go below the ice Jesus. and poke the ice out of the oh, rudder no, no. in water that is in- incredibly freezing and it's so claustrophobic and yeah. if you imagine the old timey like dime, diving helmets sure. that have like the portholes yeah. yeah uh it's that and <laughs> it's really tense and yeah, yeah okay and uh, terrifying um the Terror. The name comes from one of the boats was actually called the Terror, well, that's and not then a good choice. and the other. The <laughs> that's other, like
1: in Sunshine when they called the ship the Icarus. Right, <laughs> right you're asking for trouble.
0: <laughs> and the other boat was called Erebus. Um, oh. So, <laughs> so they were, they were really kind of, kind of asking for Erebus is yeah. like a a death god or so right. somehow related to like death myth- yeah, mythology. I think it's yeah. Egyptian. Yeah. Yeah, um, super well acted, incredibly intense. I'm about halfway through the miniseries and. It's still good and highly, highly recommend it.
2: Okay. Yeah. yeah it's, be, uh, it's been on my list. I've only heard good things. Like, everyone's been been writing about it. So. It's good.
0: And yeah. um, since it's a miniseries, you know, there's there's no other Less seasons Batman, to yeah. watch. Okay. I don't think anybody's going to live. So, <laughs> so what I <would> be? They... <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: It's just one long movie, then. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of how these things work. Oh,
0: go. Uh, one other interesting detail is that they, they do in, interact with um, native people uh, in the area. And what's so interesting is that the, the native people are like they're so capable in this environment. Um <laughs> yeah. you know like and they're the they're not starving to death. They yeah. are surviving in in the most inhospitable place. Interesting. And what seems so easy for the native people is like impossible for, for yeah, the Europeans. Our, our Europeans. And that's very interesting like dynamic. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Um, the Terror, yeah. Worth okay. it. I, I don't think it's free anywhere right now, unfortunately. I paid for the season on Amazon, but mm. worth worth the money I've spent so far.
2: Okay, because it's like 20 bucks or whatever. So, yeah. 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 Good. Go for it. Um, I watched uh, the, Tale, uh, this, the Tale this week. Uh, this is technically an HBO movie. Uh, it came out a few months ago. It premiered at Sundance, I think Sundance last year, to very positive reviews. Um, It stars Laura Dern. It is based on a true story. It is kind of the type of, it's almost autobiographical uh, in that sense. The director is a woman named Jennifer uh, Fox, who's typically a documentarian. This is her first foray into narrative film. Um, The premise of the story is that the Jennifer Fox character, um, and this is again the thing that happened to this woman in real life, gets a, a frantic call from her mother saying that she found a story that the character had written when she was in fifth grade. And the story describes a extended sexual relationship with a pair of adults that this 13-year-old girl engaged in, or was forced into, really, um, back then. So the bulk of the story is her recalling the this, event that she has really shuttered away in her mind and done everything she can to not think about and reconnecting with the people that were involved in this, in this relationship. Um, the movie is mo- it's obviously a very harrowing watch um, since it's most there are, are very graphic depictions of, uh, of child sexuality, very graphic depictions of what are really just rape scenes. Um, it's largely about memory. Um, so you'll see uh, it's heavy in flashbacks, but what the, the technique that the director uses that I found to be very effective is that they'll show a flashback, and then she will recall some new fact, or she'll recall that something was different in that flashback, hmm. and you'll see snippets of it shown again with that fact that changed. Right. So, hmm. for example, when she first recalls the lead up to these encounters, she is picturing herself much older than she actually was. So she was 13 at the time, but she's imagining her 16 year old self in this story. She gets a look at how old she was in a picture after talking to her mother when this happened and we see those same sequences again, only now the actor playing her younger is 13 years old and actually looks much more childlike. That's really cool. And the effect is very startling right, mm. for, for the audience because what you're seeing now is Quite explicitly, how it's calling to mind how how young this character is while she while while these things were happening. Um, it's not an easy watch. Um, it deals with obviously mm. it, it deals in very graphic and real terms with the trauma that arises from the child sexual assault. Very relevant with what's happening in the the Catholic Church in Pennsylvania right now. It inevitably calls that to mind. Um, but a, a very easy to recommend. Uh, Laura Dern is, uh, unsurprisingly, great here, like she is in She's everything. One of the um, Gets a really great performance out of a child actor that plays the Laura Dern's younger self. Um, there are some very interesting sequences where she is in, where the Laura Dern adult character is in dialogue with her younger self hmm. through memory, um, which are very compelling, and this very young actor holds her own next to Laura Dern, um, which is which is impressive. Uh, the movie is called uh, The Tail T-Y-L-E not like the appendage for an animal um, and I, I recommend it very strongly just you know, brace yourself <laughs> when you yeah. sign up for this one it is it, it's a hell of a movie so it's on HBO yeah. cool yeah um, so my pick yeah yep. okay what so you mentioned? We, we've mentioned It Follows many many times and I think it's finally time that we actually watch it um, so next week uh, we're going to do It Follows it's one of the you know Premier entries in the new horror genre that we've seen in the last few years. Yeah, I think it kind
0: of kicked off in a lot of a, ways a big resurgence. So. Yeah,
2: I think yeah. it came out the same year as *The Witch*, um, so I, I think of those two as kind of companion pieces. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but yeah, it's still just a, a great movie, and I, have, I haven't returned to it since it came out, so I'm same. Kind of looking forward to watching it again. Um, so next week it'll be uh, *It Follows*. If you're liking the show, please share it with people. Uh, please like it on social media. Please tell your friends about it. Comment and like. Um, And join us next week for It Follows.